So hello everyone, welcome to Falls Church today and again it's my great pleasure to be with you today and to witness God's presence among us. So my name is Minnie and I'm one of the pastors here and today we're going to talk about Gardeners of Grace part four <laughs> which is the last part of the series. Before we go to the scripture, let's take a look at the art on the screen. So there is a love sculpture by an American artist, Robert Indiana. So this picture is taken in New York. There are many versions of this iconic love sculpture. It is certainly one of the most recognizable public works around the globe. You might have seen it in other places, like in Montreal, maybe in San Francisco, in Berlin, or in Taiwan. The first love sculpture was crafted in the 1970s, but the origins of its design can be traced back to the 60s, when MoMA commissioned Indiana to create a Christmas card. Indiana produced the familiar design we know today by using four letters. L-O-V-E, love, and rendered into a typeface and stack atop one another. The bold red letters stand out, and the letter O appears to apply playfulness. The design planted the seed for his love print and subsequent sculptures and paintings. Maybe some of you will notice that in 2008, when Barack Obama ran for um, the office, the artist gave his support for Obama by recasting love as another four-letter word, H-O-P-E, hope, executed in the same typography. Sometimes we appreciate the word love, L-O-V-E, without recognizing the actual meaning of love. We know the iconic symbol of love. We quote phrases, phrases like, wow, this beautiful quotable quote. But the reality of where we live might not equal to what it is in the iconic sculpture. If we are going to get our hopes and definition from the universal worldview, we are going to be disappointed. That's why God has written about as much as proportionally in scriptures about our relationships. We cannot keep our faith here and the relationships there. It can be separated. Love is not just about, well, I'm feeling good, being happy with someone. It is not just about romance. It's definitely not about the four-letter word. It is how you interact with people, how you are going to engage in your community. It is your relationship between you and your colleagues, maybe your schoolmates, your teachers, your siblings, and your neighbors. Living into the postures of gardeners of grace, we must be committed to cultivate relationships with each other. We invest in developing people by love one another, by loving one another. So in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11, 
John writes about this scripture. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves the brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, they do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So what was John trying to say? He said that he's not writing you a new command, but an old one. And yet, he's writing you a new command, right? So the old new commandment, come on, what is that? The same old truth is that God loves us. We are to love God. We are to love one another. That's the old command. So in Leviticus 19.18, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. In Matthew 22.37-40, we shall love our God in all our strengths, all our hearts, and all our souls, and to love your neighbors as yourself. The commands are the same. So what is the new? What is the new approach towards relationships? Before we unpack this, let me remind you some of our life experiences. When you look back on your life, you might realize that you were being rejected from someone. In the midst of feeling being rejected, you might experience the disappointments and the heartbreaking moment. Hurt is something very experiential. Rejection is a bad medicine. It teaches you how to reject future relationships. So instead of trying to love again, you will tend to pull away people. Facing from disappointments, we teach you not to trust people again. You may want to measure what other people had done for you first before you love them back. You weigh the relationship to ensure that you won't get hurt again. Disengagement will shrink your heart. God calls us to relationship. We should cultivate relationships with others. However, because we have experienced a heartbreaking moment, instead of learning how to love others, we learn how to protect ourselves, allowing yourself to hate instead of choosing to love. You know, there's a thin line between love and hate. And John wrote, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Many people might come into the faith from different backgrounds where you did not experience love at all. Maybe you are a gangster, not a gardener. Maybe you had no models of how to love other people. Maybe your parents abused you. Or maybe you had a bad relationship with your ex. 
But if you don't learn to love others, you will have anger and bitterness, and your relationship with Christ will definitely suffer. Instead of love and care for others, you think about yourself first. You think about your feelings, your rights, and your needs. Unless you integrate faith into your relationship, you will never experience connection. And most relationships will end up with some form of envy and selfish ambition. You have to learn how to put yourself in the second place. Try to think of others. They're more important than yourself. If you want to be the gardener of grace, you have to learn how to reach out and love others first. Care for them and forgive them. That's the biblical principle. When you bless, you will be blessed. Back to the old new commandments in 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. I am writing you a new command. Its truth is sin in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The new part, after the Father sent his only Son into the world, that um, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal lives, we know now we have access to God's love. Does Jesus abide in you and you abide in Jesus? Jesus himself is dwelling within you to change your heart, to transform you, and to encourage you along the way. You'll be able to love each other because Christ is already in you. And the truth is two parts. The first part, seen in him, we can look at the life of Christ. So we observe the perfect role models, his actions, his teachings, and his attitude. And the second part, the truth is that he is now in you. How amazing is that? He's in you. Christ is in you. Now I know how to love because Christ is in me. That's the promise of faith in Christ. That's a new capacity. So that's the new command, right? The ability to love beyond, beyond your own ability. Love beyond the four-letter word. We can now able to love biblically, not culturally. If you mention the four-letter word L-O-V-E, people think of different level of, you know, niceness and goodness, kindness, right? We all have cultural background that impact how we love people. But Jesus come is kind of changing all of our perspectives, because Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, you need to walk in submission to God and to one another. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to love one another. Christ is a perfect role model and the source of a new way to love. We, as gardeners of grace, we invest in de developing people by loving one another. Once you trust in Christ as your Savior, you are learning from God's Word and knowing how to love others in a practical daily manner.
You will need to unlearn many bad things, many bad ways of relating to others from the past. So don't wait for someone to love you first. Reach out and love them first. No matter how unloving your background is, if you continue in a lifestyle of hatred and love one another, you are still in the darkness. The darkness has blinded you. And the envy and selfish ambitions have blinded you. I've been working as a lyricist for many years. I wrote lyrics, like song lyrics. So many of them are pop songs, very pop. All the producers are craving for the best lyrics. Can you give me a hit song? Can you write me the most popular love song, right? The best hook ever. So after I wrote 300 published lyrics, I know the essentials, elements that make a great love song, which is love. <laughs> the best songs are honest and real, but what the producers are looking for are actually some hokey, cheesy love songs. And most of all, what they want is actually the saddest song. They like music to help people grieve. They like music to show people that you are not alone in your pain. And lyrics serve the space to process your sorrow. People would like the song to be filled with heartbreak, hopelessness, emptiness, hatred, rejection, and despair. And the audience will enjoy the sad songs so much, and it will become a big hit. As a lyricist, I insist not to write about these kind of themes. I will counter-propose a new theme, a new idea, and a new attitude about love. The relationship of one another is not about focusing on what they had hurt you. The deeper the love will necessarily become the deeper the hate. The definition of love culturally is different from the definition of love biblically. To love one another is to obey our law's commandment. Loving one another is an essential mark of a true Christian. If you live yourself with no regard for others, no self-sacrifice or willingness to meet other people's need, you are still in the darkness. Your relationships with others are not marked by anger, abusive languages, bitterness, and self-centeredness. If you're still living in spiritual darkness, you are blindly colliding from one broken relationship to the next. You are not practically um, practicing biblical love. As Jesus dwells within us and he's our role model, we are transforming and developing how to live out our faith and learn to love one another. As in Matthew 5, 43 to 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Loving people is hard. 
loving unlovable people, unlovable people is way harder. But loving your enemy, is that possible? Let's think about this. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of the Son. This is why God calls us to love our enemies. While we were God's enemies, Christ loved us first. We no longer distinguish between neighbors and enemies. We love one another. Through the death of Jesus, we are swept up into God's love for all people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who taught at an underground seminary during the Nazi period, Bonhoeffer gave us practical suggestion for how to live in a community with others. To Bonhoeffer, community means community through Jesus Christ and in Christ. He claimed that we are no longer live by our own resources, by, but by God's accusations and justification. Life in community is a gift to be received with thanksgiving. We're living with one another and love one another and for one another. He stressed the importance of togetherness. The work of God brings us not to live in isolation, but to engage in the community, to offer hospitality to strangers and to the enemies. We pray together and we serve together. Prayers are meant to be communal. As in Lord's Prayer, we pray our fathers in heaven, right? We're not praying my father in heaven, right? We're praying together. That's the togetherness. So this is a quote from Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer wrote, When God had mercy on us, when God had mercy on us, when God revealed Jesus Christ to us as our brother, when God won our hearts by God's own love, our instruction in Christian love began at the same time. When God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with one another, to love and to be loved in living in harmony with one another. We have to forgive as we are forgiven. When we receive forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive each other. The more we have received, the more we are able to give. There's another quote from Bonhoeffer. He says, God opened up the way to God and one another. Now Christians can live with each other in peace. They can love and serve one another. They become one. How powerful is this? Become one. We become one. This is profoundly amazing. The relationship between you and God is a vertical relationship. You and God, vertical. And at the same time, we cultivate relationship with one another. So this is a horizontal relationship. The horizontal and vertical relationships are happening at the same time. We're not only talking about your love experience, your past experience. Not, we're not going to talk about experience. In our community, we are not bound by our experiences but by faith. It is crucial to know that I am loved. 
while abiding Christ, I should feel the love of God. Love is a sign that I'm in the spirit of new life in Christ. To assure that I'm loved by God, I always ask myself questions such as, when did I first experience the warmth of God's love? Or what's God doing in my life right now, right this, at this moment? So we cannot come to faith without recognizing God's love. That's why I would like to ask you some questions. So the first question is, when was the last time you experienced God's love? So we're experiencing God's love like all the time, every minute, every second. And the second question is, how would you reach out to love one another instead of pulling back yourself, how to reach out and to love one another? So these are some daily stuff, practical, daily manner that we can do every day in order to cultivate relationship with each other and to love one another. We are going to close with a prayer. This is a prayer from uh, Bonhoeffer, actually. <clears throat> Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I praise and thank you for rest in the night I praise and thank you for this new day. I praise and thank you for all your goodness and faithfulness throughout my life. You have granted me many blessings. Now let me also accept what's hard from your hand. You will lay on me that I can bear. You, may, you make all things work together for good for your children. O Holy Spirit, Give me faith that will protect me from despair, from passions, and from vice. Give me such love for God and man as we blot out our hatred and bitterness. Give me the hope that will deliver me from fear and faint-heartedness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>